0: I just want to talk to you this morning and encourage you this morning. I think this church is headed somewhere. And um, I got to share this message with my church recently. And, and and when I was talking to Pastor Aaron, I just was like, hey man, I think this is on my heart to, to keep giving this message. Is that okay? And he said, go for it. And so uh, I want to talk to you today about really the genius of generosity, the genius of generosity. I, I think that Um, there's this great scripture in Corinthians where Paul is talking and he talks to a church and he says something like this. He goes, see how you're excelling like in all these important things. And he goes, see how you excel in like your faith how you're growing in your speech in your in your concern for other people in your earnestness you know know how you're growing and that's where you ought to be as a Christ father you should always be growing expanding you should be on an upward trajectory wherever you're headed in life and you're like grow get bigger get better but look at the end there he goes see also that you grow in the grace of giving meaning like giving isn't something that you, you you have to do it's something that you kind of like get in on and you get to do and there's a grace for it. And so there's a grace that, that really urges you to do it and there's a grace that follows you because you did it. And it's just, I'm just telling you, you wanna be in on it. And I get why you're not. Because everything in this world tells you, well, you need to get yours and you got to you got to have the you ever try to keep up with the Joneses and you realize the Joneses are just broke and in debt, you know, that kind of thing. And so you just you're chasing things or, or you just have a religious bad taste in your mouth because there's too many people that have kind of like used guilt or fear to kind of make you feel bad about this. I just want you to know, like, there's a grace to giving. There really is. There's a, there's a generosity thing that I think unlocks grace in a powerful way. And you don't want to be those people that hold back and miss out on something. There's this really funny story about um, the czar of Russia, Ivan the Terrible. Remember that character if you've ever studied history? Well, he was having a political marriage with the, the princess of Greece. And to get married, he had to get baptized into the Orthodox Church, or they wouldn't, they wouldn't, you know, kind of sign off on the marriage. And so Ivan had this like crew of mercenaries. They were like his secret service. Agents and they were all just killers. I mean, they were just trained killers, right? And so these guys were so loyal to Ivan that when Ivan got baptized in the church, they're like, "Well, hey, we're in, boss. We're in too. We want in on this." And the priest was like, "Yeah, it doesn't work that way. You guys, are, you guys are killers. You guys are trained killers. That's what you do for a living. That's that's not the Jesus way." And so they got together. They're so smart. They got together and they huddled together and they said, "All right, this is what we came up with." So they come back to the priest. They're like, "All right, we're going to get baptized, but what we're going to do is we're going to pull out our swords." We're going to stick him in the air. And then when you baptize us, our arm and our sword will stay out of the water. But the rest of us will will go down, you know, that kind of a thing. And I think that's how sometimes we are. Like when it comes to like, we come to God and we're like, of of course, I'd like some eternal salvation. Yeah, I'd really like that. I'll take some healing every once in a while. You know, I'd like definitely like some blessings. Would you please fix my spouse? My kids are crazy. God, I need your help. But when we, so it's like we go, we were like Jesus. I want it all, but I mean, I'd like to. It's a kind of a one thing I'd like to keep, and this is just my my stuff. And uh, as a matter of fact, there's a great parable about this. Jesus tells an amazing parable in Luke chapter 12, and this guy is the opposite of a genius. This guy is what the Bible calls a fool, and I didn't say that. I would never be that mean, but that's what they said about him. This is this is how the story goes. Luke chapter 12. Jesus is just having life interactions. And someone from the crowd comes up to him and says, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, what do you think is going on? All right, mom or dad passed away. There's an inheritance. And if y'all have ever been a part of that, that can get ugly. And so anyway, you got these two brothers that are fighting and arguing over how they're going to split up the inheritance. And Jesus's reply is, is wise. He goes, man. Who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? You know what he's saying? I don't want none of that. No, thank you. Your crazy life drama. I don't, I don't want none of it. And if you can, avoid that like the plague. You stay out of that noise. And so, but he gives them this bit of wisdom here. He says, but watch out. This is the wisdom I'll give you. I'm not, I'm not settling your, your case here, but watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed because life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Now, I don't know who tweets out here, but so that's a tweetable moment right there. If you're looking for a fresh tattoo, that's your jam right there. I'm telling you that we could just pause right there. I, didn't, I wouldn't have to read anything else. We could meditate on that for the next six months and we'd be better human beings for it. That life does not let that kind of like filter down into like how you think, how you feel, how you interact. Like I'm telling you that just changed your life, but that's not the end of it because Jesus does a Jesus thing. And he's like, so let me just tell you a story, right? And so he goes to tell a story to kind of illustrate this idea. He tells them a parable. And so he goes, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. What kind of harvest? It was awesome. It was a bumper crop. So he thought to himself, Have you ever do that? Like you have internal conversations with yourself. You talk to yourself. We're all like that. Don't don't be ashamed of that. This guy's like that too. He's, I'm talking to myself. I'm thinking to myself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And then I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And we all said, Amen. Come, like this is the American dream. This guy just struck gold. This is the success story. This is what we all want. We all wish we were the idiot that spilled hot coffee on McDonald's from us. <laughs> we all wish. We all wish we were the person that walked into that 7-Eleven and got the winning lottery ticket. We, we, and we, like, you know what we would do? We would like we, we just accomplished the American dream. I can retire. Heck, we're going to the Four Seasons in Maui. I don't even know how long we're staying. We're just staying. That's how long we're going for. And we, we won. We did it. Doesn't that sound like everybody trying to help you get rich so you can achieve that? And it sounds like. That's where the story ought to end and we ought to just attain to be richer in life. But Jesus doesn't teach you how to get rich. He teaches you how to be rich and there's a difference. So watch this. But God said to him, this is the divine contradiction, right? Like the contraction is moving the other way now. He goes, but God says to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? I love this. Like this is like, oh, oh, Wait a minute, cause this is the reality. You don't get to see the, the U-Haul attached to the hearse and you get to take all your stuff off into glory. You don't get none of that stuff. And so you just, this is the painful reality. The painful reality is, is that right after your funeral, people will be eating snacks and arguing over your stuff. That is a painful reality. And Jesus is like, that's your problem, bro. You did not plan ahead. You weren't thinking. You didn't have the right kind of mentality. Your heart wasn't right. And now here's the thing. The problem is not, it's not like God killed the guy. It's just a story, y'all. Come on. It's, it's that, this is the painful part. It's not that he died. Everybody dies. Rich people die. Poor people die. It, it, righteous people, unrighteous. We all die. a statistical fact. One out of every one person died. We, we just, let's just embrace it, y'all. It's not the painful tragedy. The story is not that he died. Everybody dies. The tragedy of this story is that he experienced total loss. Because he didn't take all that stuff and do something with it in the here and the now. And he didn't do something with it to where it was stored up for him in eternity. And so he didn't get nothing now. He doesn't get nothing then. He gets total loss. And then this is the final statement of the whole thing. And he goes, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So there's a contrast here between like this guy who's a foolish person, right? Because I would never I would never talk to you that way. If you came into my office and said, Todd, I'm going to you know, build bigger barns and just keep it all and hoard it all and do all that. I, I wouldn't be like, you fool. I wouldn't do that. I'd be like, hey, let's talk about that. Let's pray about that. You know, what does wisdom say? Let's talk about the scriptures. I'd have been really kind. But Jesus doesn't have time to unpack this. So he's literally grabbing you by the lapels, being like, oh, you fool. I need to grab you. I need to shake you out of this cultural thing that you're caught up in called the world and their mentality and their attitude and how they're going to experience total loss. No, you're going to be, you're going to be different than that. And he goes, I need you to think, how can I be rich towards God? Well, here's the thing. I don't know if you know this or not, but God doesn't need your money. Have you ever thought about like that? Like God doesn't pay $10 a gallon for gas. He doesn't, he doesn't have a $4,000 electric bill. He doesn't have, he's never like this, not looking for loose chains and changing the cushions. That's not, that's not your heavenly father. So what does it mean to be rich towards God? Well, all the scriptures lay this out, that the way that you are rich towards God is that you become a generous soul. That's how you become rich towards God. He goes, no, no, no. the way that you treat it, remember that, remember that story was like, no, the, when you did it to the least of these, you, you did it to me, like, like as if God needs your money. No, 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 he needs you to become a generous soul. And when you become a generous soul, that is becoming rich towards god as a matter of fact there's a proverb that even says is that when you give to the poor it's like lending to god that's the idea because why because you chose to become a generous soul with your words with your time with your gift with your talent with your resources with your finances with everything you should be trying to figure out life does not consist of how much stuff i can get it certainly doesn't consist of how much i can hoard then what does it consist of It consists of how much I can give away, how much seed I can sow, how much value I can create, how much of a ripple effect into eternity that I can have. That's what I'm really caring about. And so that's why it is so important that you kind of, if there's ever anything in you that's reluctant about generosity, get rid of that thing. And say, I want to grow the same way I want to grow in my faith and my words and my love for others. I want to become and grow as a generous soul. I want to be an upward trajectory. Whatever I am now, in a few years, I want to become a more generous soul. So here's why. Here's the genius of generosity. If you're taking notes, here's where I want to go with you. Number one is this, is when you are generous, you fulfill your purpose. Like you just need to know that you're wired this way. This is who you were always meant to be. As much as the world tried to shape you into a different direction, God was trying to shape you towards generosity. This is who you were always meant to be. I'll I'll prove it to you. How many of y'all are good at math? How you like math? Yep, two of you. Okay, good. Three, four, four, it's four. Little boy, you don't even count because you don't even, listen, here's what's gonna happen. Right now, you're doing math with numbers, okay? And it's like two plus two, you know what I mean? And eight plus eight. And yeah, you're not even there yet, yeah, okay. But here's what happened. They're gonna trick you up. In a few years, they're gonna take away numbers and give you letters, okay? And then you're gonna be like, I don't even know what's going on, right? And so like, I'm a high school parent, right? And I, I, I passed geometry with a 69.7, 70s passing. I think they cheated the score just to get rid of me. That is my opinion. I can't prove it. Mr. Burris was a short little man who looked like Mario from Mario Brothers. Anyway, I think he didn't like me, and he just wanted to. Anyway, but math, this is how math works. So, like, again, you get eventually you'll get numbers turned into letters, right? Y'all remember this? Like A equals B, and if B equals C, then A equals C. Remember, remember that whole thing? This is how I know you're wired for generosity, right? This would be A, right? A is this. You are made in the image and likeness of God, Right? That's what the scriptures say. It's one of the most profound scriptures. Genesis one, you are made in the image and likeness of God. You have a divine thumbprint. You have some type of unique DNA hardwired in. You are unlike any other creatures in all the planet and all the animal kingdom. You are the apex of creation. You are made like God. Okay, that's A. Are you ready? B, God is generous. I don't know if you know, but the whole thing is a gift this this whole thing we're in right now reality existence it's all a gift life it's it's a gift the ability for you to think and love and choose that's all a gift too everything all of creation it's a gift by the way there's a really it's a really famous scripture you probably heard it. it's called John 3:16 y'all for god so loved the world that he that he g- gave right and and spouses pay attention to that when you love you give Is that, that, we're gonna do a marriage conference real quick here because that that didn't land too quick. When you you love, you give. God loves, God gives. If you love, you give, right? Dial in that anniversary date. Don't forget, right? So, So if you love, you give spouses, give. And so that's what God is like. For God so loved the world that he gave. How did God choose to change the world? Through generosity. That's how he changed the world. And so if A is you're made in the image and likeness of God and B, God is generous, what does that mean? C equals... That you are made, or we could put it like this: If you were made in the image of God and God is generous, then there's something deep inside of you that is wired for generosity. This is the way you are always meant to be. I promise, it's who you are. If you've ever struggled with, like, I'm not sure what to do, I don't know who I'm really supposed to be, I'm not sure. This is who you were always meant to be—a generous soul. Number two is this, though. Hey, when you're generous, you make God smile. I just need—that's that, another reason why. I'll prove it to you. Um, There's this scripture in the book of Philippians where Paul is talking to a church about their radical generosity. And then when he describes it, he starts talking about how their offering is like a sweet smelling aroma to God. He uses that kind of like some aromatherapy going on. You know what I'm talking about? That just, now real quick, how many of y'all have like a favorite smell? You have like a, what is it? Is that like bread? Is it barbecue? What you got? (laughs) I thought about this. That's all I came up with. <laughs> I stopped at barbecue, and I'm like, somebody's going to say bread. <laughs> Somebody Flowers. My wife smells like cinnamon, cinnamon. Ooh, cinnamon. Talk about it. You at the mall? <laughs> Auntie Annie's? Is that? Anyway. But, but you ever, watch, watch this, everybody. Uh, oh, my God. And when you smell that, you're like, whew, that smells so good, right? And the opposite is true. I have like a water treatment plant right near my house. And every once in a while, I'll be like cruising with the windows down, and I'll forget. And that sucker just wafts right up into my nose, and you're just, oh, you know, do one of those. Like like that sweet-smelling aroma, when you smell something amazing, what does it do? And then you put a little smile, a little smile, right? That's how your heavenly father feels. He's like, no, look at their generosity. This is so awesome. This is what—parents, you know this is true. If you have kids— It is fun to get your kids a gift, especially a cool gift that you know is gonna light them up. You know what I mean? You come home something lame and they look at it, you know. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the one where they get in like, "Oh, oh my God, you got this for me. Like that, like I got, they got lit up about it. And you love to see the joy and the excitement it does something for you as a parent. Can I get an amen and a what, what? Yeah, it does. You love your kids for the most part. So here's the thing. If you're a parent, have you ever caught your kid being generous it hit you different didn't it when because because like I'm watching like I have these two daughters they're like 12 and 15 and they don't always get along but when they do and they like you see them like go out of their way to share or be thoughtful or to be generous towards their sibling <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. my kids don't buy me jack squat y'all I just want you to know that them <laughs> little kids got money too I got kids that like they're on that hut, babysitter, hut, babysitter hustle thing and they got they got cash. Don't buy me squat. And I don't even care. But when I see them, because I don't need anything from them, I'm fine. But when I see them love their sister, love their brother, and be generous in an amazing way, that touches me deeper than me just giving them a gift and blessing them. Do you see it? I, I just want you to know, like, that's the type of environment and culture you create when you choose to be generous. Let's keep going here. When you are generous, you position yourself for blessing. Now, this is just one of those biblical principles that literally what you're doing is you're saying, God, I want in on generosity. I want in on what you're doing. So can we just can we just move me over into the realm where like you bless me so that I can be a blessing to the world around me? Like this is the idea in Malachi when he said that I want to put you underneath an open heaven. Remember he was talking about like the tithe and he goes like, I want to I want to like open up the floodgates of heaven over your life. That was an agricultural term. What he was trying to say was this, like when you're an agricultural person, you're like, no, I sow the seed, but God, you provide the rain, you provide the sun, you provide the nutrients from the soil, and you spring forth life from a seed which makes no sense, it is resurrection. So like all of this stuff is what you do. I just want to be in on it. And I got one job. You do the sun, you do the rain, you do the soil, you do the whole life and the resurrection. You do all that stuff. All I got to do is just kind of get in on it and sow seed. Yes. And when you do so, you're saying, I'm choosing to be a part of that process. And here's what the Bible says. Like Paul talks about this in Corinthians. It actually says that God gives seed to the sower right? Now, I've got seed. Anything that's a resource, anything, again, my words, my time, my money, anything that I have is a potential seed. And I'm just telling you, as I eat my seeds, I'm consuming. I'm like the guy with the barns. But when I think differently and I become a sower, Paul says, watch, watch. God gives seed to sowers. I need to become a sower. So that I position myself so that when I need the sun and I need the rain and I need and God wants to bless me so that I can be a blessing to what I want in on everything he's doing. And that remember that scripture I just read about the sweet smelling aroma. This is the next verse. The next verse says, and in light of that, my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Meaning generosity is what repositioned yourself to where now your issues become God's issues. Your needs are no God's, that's on God's radar now. Why? Because you chose to be a part of something. That's amazing. Like reposition yourself for God's blessing. Here's, here's the last one or fourth one. This is one I had to learn as a young man is that generosity changes your perspective, changes the way that you look at the world around you. Now, I, di- I didn't know that. I'm hard-headed, So I always have to learn kind of the hard way. Does anybody else? You're slow like me. Good. Okay. So really smart people, what they do is they learn things and, and, and then they change, right? Hard headed people, we, we experience pain and, and then we change. So be smart out there. Um, but, but that was my life. And so I remember being a young teenager and very rebellious, big attitude, wanted to do my own thing, very strong-willed, very independent. And I remember like I was working construction like part-time during the summer, now, please don't expect anything out of me today. I really was just grunt labor moving trash. Y'all, ever, y'all remember that, those days? Okay, good. So, so, but I'm working on this construction site, and my mom has the audacity to come to me and say, hey, Todd, our church is going to go on a missions trip. You need to go. You ever use that one? Like, no, no, you need to go. You need Jesus to change your life. You know, you put that little mom pressure on him. And so I'm like, Uh, no, it's summer. I'm hanging out with my friends, you know, whatever. And she goes, no, no, it's a missions trip. You're going to, you're going to go and do this construction work and rebuild people's homes. And I'm like, or how much is it paying? (laughs) She goes, nothing, Todd. These people are poor. You're going to go help them. I'm like, I don't get paid. She goes, no, as a matter of fact, you have to pay $300 to go. (laughs) I'm like, this is the dumbest idea in the world, Mother. No wonder you're broke. Anyway, my mom's not listening to this sermon. I can say anything because she'll listen to my sermons from back home. And every once in a while, I'll throw mom under the bus. And I hear about it that week's phone call. Anyway. Anyway. What was I talking about? Oh, so, so I go, so I, I'm like, mom, this is the dumbest thing in the world. I get paid to work. You want me to pay people to go work? That's the craziest upside down thing in the world. And yes, it is. That's the way the kingdom works. It's an upside down kingdom. And so I go, I'm like begrudgingly, she's like, I'll pay for it, just go. And so I go and I remember I'm there with my friend, Ben. We're, due, we're up on a roof in a hundred degree weather in Savannah, Georgia. So hot, so humid. I don't know if you've ever been there. They used to have a paper mill and talk about smell. It just stunk. The whole city stunk. And so, and I'm there, and there's this little tiny woman who can hardly move, and she's widowed, and she's very poor, and her house is literally falling in on her. And when she looked me in my eye and thanked me, it changed me from the inside out. And I remember that week, I worked harder than I'd ever worked on a construction site because I wasn't working for money, I was working for her. And I knew that like, this is a person that like needs love and kindness and respect and dignity and I can give that to her, why wouldn't I? And all of a sudden it changed the way that I saw the world around me that like, no, no, the, the adding value and dignity back to people is so important. That That is how I love God. To say that, what's the most important thing? To say to love God and to say, no, no, to love your neighbor as yourself because that's how you express love to God. And if you're not being generous, you're not in on that thing. That is the genius of generosity. Can I get an amen? If you're taking notes, write this down. You will never feel more satisfied than when you do something for someone who could do nothing for themselves and pay you nothing in return. By the way, that's the gospel. So there was a group of people who couldn't get it done for themselves and couldn't pay him back, even if they tried. And Jesus said, I'll give anyway. Yeah. This is the gospel, is that God looked at you and you had a need that you couldn't meet. You, you had an issue that you couldn't solve. And Jesus knew that he was the only way and he gave anyway. That is the gospel. And that's the last point, is that, is that when you are generous, you partner with God. Like, again, you're now in on this whole redemptive work. Like, God wants to use you to change the world. How did he change the world? He gave. How does the gospel go forth? Through radical generosity. That's the type of all-in kind of mentality and attitude that you want to have. And if you do that, you change the world. As my fact, I'll close with this. There's this great story. There was this missionary who... um, he got together with his buddies after seminary and they made a pact together. They really felt like God had called them and they were called one way missionaries. Because before, after seminary, they got together, they prayed, they fasted, they all sought God on where they would go. And they said, We're, we're one way missionaries. We're not buying round trip tickets. We got one way. And to symbolize this, when they packed their bags, they did not pack them in suitcases, but they packed them in coffins to be symbolically saying, Hey, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. I'm going on a journey and I don't care if I come back or not. There was one, there was one guy named Milne and he decided, um, crazily enough that he wanted to go down to the South Pacific to a specific set of islands that every missionary that had ever been to that island before had been like tortured or killed. That's not, that's not the same as Disney. That's not, that's not the same. Some people talking about like, I feel God called me to Hawaii. I'm gonna go suffer for Jesus. You know, that kind of, this is not that. And so he goes to this island and one by one starts loving people, serving people, giving to people. Doesn't open his mouth, just love people, serve people. Radical generosity. Learns their language, gets to know them a little bit better. Just keep generous, 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 generous. And then all of a sudden again, he makes one relationship breakthrough and then another and then another, and he's there for 35 years. When he died, they put on his tombstone. This is what's on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. The only way you do that is you have to believe in the genius of generosity. You're like, no, no, we're going to change the world. This is how God changed the world. This is how we going to change the world. This is how we make a difference. And so I just want you to know, wherever you're at in life, I want you to grow in the grace of giving. Where if you're here today, if you say, hey, I've never, I've never started, I've never ever given, then just start giving. If you've said, hey, I've given some, but I've, i just, whatever it is, you should be on an upward trajectory. Every, every year, every season of life, you should hey, am I a more generous person? Am I a more generous soul than I was prior? Like, am I on that upward trajectory where God, I'm becoming more and more generous with everything I have? Because you recognize this life is short. It is brief. To to hoard it all and to save it all would be a waste. No, I need to do something. I need to change the world. I need to do something powerful right here, right now. And with the belief that I'm setting myself up for some unique blessing in the life to come, I want in on that. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, would you help us just take a step to become a more generous person? God, with our spouse maybe. God, maybe it's with our neighbors and our coworkers. Maybe it's it's in my church and serving. Maybe it's becoming like an actual financial partner, becoming a percentage giver. Like, I don't know what it is for you. You pray about that. I just want you in on it because your life will be better. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions, but I'm telling you, true life exists when you get in on God's ways and God's kingdom and changing the world around you. That gives life meaning. And so God, would you all help us to take a step, God, and to become a generous soul. Lord, that is my prayer today in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe that, we all said amen.